I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Today on Fairy God Boss Radio, I'm thrilled to be talking to Sam Saperstein, who's the managing director of the Women on the Move Initiative at J.P. Morgan Chase. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Tell us about you. Tell us about your career and how you have gotten to where you are at J.P. Morgan. Sure. Well, I'll talk about first my current role. So I had something at J.P. Morgan Chase called Women on the Move, and this is an effort we just put together to really bring all of our women's related initiatives all across the bank and globally into one place. And so we're working for our employees to make this the best bank for them to work at. But we're also now expanding to go externally and working to make sure our clients and consumers have things like access to capital if they're starting small businesses, but also that they just have great financial tools to help them take control of their financial health and to be much more confident in their financial futures. So it's a really exciting way that we get to demonstrate our support for women. And it's actually a full-time job which I'm really happy to do. I've long been working on women's efforts on my, in my spare time, and this is a great way to be able to do it full-time. I've been with J.P. Morgan Chase. And it's a to the yeah. bank that they view this as a full-time job, and they've invested so much behind it. It really is a big commitment for the bank. You know, we've done a lot of things to support women inside and outside for many years, but we really thought it was the right time to elevate all of these initiatives and signal it's a real priority. So alongside other things like working for veterans and working for black Americans, women is now you know, a very important segment for us to focus on and so I'm thrilled to be able to do that. I love that. So tell us about your background. What did you do before this? So before this, I spent five years in the bank as our chief marketing officer for commercial banking, which is one of the four lines of business for the bank. And prior to that, really had spent my career in a number of strategy and product development roles. Um, I actually started my career as a financial journalist, so I thought I'd always be a writer. But somewhere along the way, when I fell in love with business and with telling stories about business, I ended up going to business school. And after business school, really never went back to journalism. Uh, But in my roles later on as a marketer and communicator, I really feel like I almost came full circle in that I came back to my roots telling stories and writing. And so that has been a really nice way to bring it all together. And so how do you think gender has played a role in your career? I mean, clearly it must have by virtue of the fact that you've chosen to take on this initiative and this is where you want it to be. How, how did you think about gender earlier as a journalist or as an operator within the bank? I don't think gender played a role necessarily in my getting opportunities. So I never felt in interview situations or when I went after things that it was an issue there. But as I went on in my career, I felt that it might have played a larger role in my being either promoted or getting certain projects or just getting feedback from managers. You know, somewhere along the way, I think um, maybe there were instances where if I were working with male bosses and I had a colleague who was male and who might have been more familiar or looked like my male manager, that person might have gotten certain um, projects. Um, 
And then probably the thing that really hit home for me was when I had my children and experiences around maternity leave and coming back to jobs after coming back from maternity leave. That's when I felt the most different. That's, that's when I felt my gender really did play a role. Um, I think if I were a man, clearly I never would have been out on leave and never had had those experiences. And I just don't think I had anticipated that, that those times of my life would present, you know, new challenges. Um, so I'm very sensitive to that when I talk to women or see women who do go back on leave and who want to come back to work afterwards. So how do you reach a handout? What are the best things you think you can do both sort of individually and institutionally to support women through these kind of turning points or challenge points in their career? I think one of the best things to do for me personally is to just have really open and honest dialogue with women, whether they're my direct reports or colleagues or more junior folks coming to me for advice. So, for example, with my direct reports, I always try to provide feedback to them that I think is really actionable and that I think is really going to reflect on their performance. I don't like to spend a lot of time telling someone feedback about their style or their executive presence or some of these softer, important skills, but softer skills that I think women tend to hear more feedback on. I really want to focus feedback on how people performed in their jobs, how they thought about things, how they executed on things, things that I think men hear about and things that I think are critical for people who want to get to the next level. That's what I also counsel other managers across the firm to do, and I, I tell that to both men and women, that the feedback has to be really fair and equal, and men and women have to hear the same messages if we're going to see them promoted equally to higher levels and advance. A hundred percent. And and what about a mentorship or sponsorship? How do you think about changing those practices or structures to drive more uh, promotion and retention? These are two really critical areas. I think mentorship, many people feel like they might have a mentor. We did a recent study among some employees just this week, and it turned out that half had at least one or more mentors, so we thought that was great. Um, and mentors can be a little easier to come by. You could consider a colleague, a mentor, a peer, an old boss, someone outside the company. I think the key, though, and the big difference is getting a sponsor because a sponsor is someone who's really going to pull you up, give you an opportunity, stretch you. Generally, they're the ones in positions where they can provide you with some new role or opportunity to show what you can do. And I think that's a lot harder to do. There's probably fewer opportunities, but even so, it's just – always harder to ask someone to be a sponsor and to develop that relationship. And what we find, and I'm sure it's true at many companies, it's really hard to engineer chemistry between people and to force a great sponsorship relationship. I think they have to be built naturally between the two parties involved. So what I try to tell people is to look for sponsor potential early on in your careers, you know, from the minute you join companies, who could potentially be a sponsor? Often it's your boss or someone you work closely with. So if you can develop a close relationship with that person or maybe someone else who you work with on a project, you know, they're the ones who are going to see you up front. They're going to see your skills. They're going to see how you're tested. And they're the ones who can vouch for you down the road. You know, not everyone is in an opportunity all the time to convert their managers into sponsors. I, I don't think you can give up. I think you must still look for 
other people around you who could play that role, but it's such a critical role. And when you have a person, I think, who's receptive to you, obviously you need to work hard to keep demonstrating your skills, but often you should look for things that you could give back. And many times what you can give back is your advice and your expertise and a perspective on something. I think the very successful people that I've seen succeed, both men and women, always had a perspective that they were willing to share, always were informed about a subject and really helped their boss, their sponsor to think through something. And that confidence in thinking through something was what really made the difference for them. I love that advice. And I actually think it's very unique um, because so many of us just sort of default to who's either my sponsor or not. And if I'm not, then I just don't get ahead. But how do you think about kind of being more strategic in cultivating sponsors and also not just relying on your boss? Because, for example, sometimes your boss might retire or choose a different, you know, you, you can't just count on one person to always right. be your cheerleader. You've got to sow some more seeds. That's right. Um, and I think every project can be an opportunity to convert someone. There's many times I can see people more from a distance who are working on something close with me. They might not be in my group, but I can tell they're really talented. And that's someone I can look out for. And if they were to come to me and ask me to help them, I absolutely would. And very often you find yourself, you know, in a similar orbit for a long time. And I think that can really lend itself to developing that relationship. Exactly. So kind of along those lines, how, what, what do you think a good manager is? A lot of our listeners are either managers or trying to, you know, becoming managers or they are seeking a good manager. What are the, the kind of key hallmarks of a good manager? What should people try to be or look for? So I like this concept in a manager of being a player coach meaning as a coach, you have to provide direction, you have to provide that feedback I was talking about, and you definitely have to set a vision. And in that vision, you have to always pick and choose the things you want to focus on. Not everything can be a priority. Some things you really have to clearly say, this should come first, and other things we can let slide. But that vision and that clear communication just has to be there. But the player side also should be there too. I don't think managers should be so removed from the work that they can't get into the details and understand what's going on and help out when needed. I've often seen managers really go down deep on certain things, and it always makes me feel like they cared about the work. We were doing important work together and that they knew what it was like to be in my shoes and could help out when needed. So I think someone who can flex back and forth is just really important. Those, those are the kind of folks I think really engender trust and loyalty among the people that they manage. Absolutely. That's very good advice. Uh, so you mentioned uh, how having a family changed your relationship with work and your challenges that you're facing. What do you think work-life balance looks like? How do you manage being a mother and having a big career? Well, the first thing I'd probably say is I really try to drop being a perfectionist because that just doesn't happen once the kids come along, if it happens ever. And you have to get really comfortable with balls being dropped. And so what I mean by that is there's many times that I certainly just can't be there for 
a school play or, or something else. Um, but there are times I just completely mess up. I send one child to the wrong activity or I forget to do something like sign them up for lunch or something happens all the time. And I think you can't beat yourself up for that. You have to accept that, try to get better, try to be organized um, and do the best you can. Yeah, that self-forgiveness is so essential. I agree. It really is. I mean, hopefully your kids don't get too upset about it. Thankfully, mine are young enough. They don't seem to mind yet. But, uh, you know, to me, the balance, it's not balance on a daily basis. It's so hard to achieve that. You know, every day you're pulled in a million directions. I try to look out a week or maybe two weeks and I say, okay, how many nights am I home? How many nights am I out? What's going on on the weekend? How can I do things at work that need to get done? How can I spend the best time I possibly can with my kids? And then, of course, last is how do I spend time on myself? That definitely takes uh, last in that list. Um, but I do try to mix and match so that over a period of time, I feel like I'm pretty much in balance. The one thing I do try to do consistently is just get sleep. Because for me personally, without that, I'm really not good the next day. I agree. And there's all these studies now and, and writing that shows that it's better performance, better decision making. You just can't be as good of, at your job if you're not sleeping. So I think that's so essential. No, it's really true. It's true. And, and then some things just drop, right? So sometimes you can't exercise that day because you just you need to sleep in or whatever it is. But to me, I think that's worth the trade-off. Absolutely. So if you don't mind, talk about a mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? So when I was doing product development work, I was in charge um, of an e-commerce platform. And our goal was to really try to get out there and develop a new e-commerce whole delivery infrastructure. This was before I joined JPMorgan Chase, so I was at a different company. And I was working closely with one boss who was very, very supportive of this, wanted me to run really fast. And I took direction from that person and from other people who were supportive. And I really tried to get out there um, and do what I thought was best. But what I hadn't really considered is that there were other people in the organization who just weren't really bought into this idea yet. They didn't understand why we needed to be there. They weren't really behind the urgency. We had other priorities. And this was several years ago. So e-commerce wasn't as big as it was today, but you know, it was definitely um, rising. And I think what I hadn't really done enough of was fully understand everybody's perspectives on that, um, understand that while I had one camp that wanted to go very fast, another camp just needed me to spend more time with them and explaining what we were trying to do and, and probably um, giving more time for them to air their feelings about it and see how we could work together. And what ended up happening is we tried a number of things but never really got past a pilot phase. And I think it was because of not having that full support to keep going with it. Now, what we built, I was happy to say, laid the foundation for what the company eventually did. So I think it was good work that ultimately saw the light of day. But it's very frustrating to be so involved in something that you feel like stops when you, know, you wanted to, to move forward. Uh, but I really took away from that the need to make sure all perspectives were at the table and that you understood, you know, everybody's viewpoint um, early on and you got back to them as often as it, as it would take to make them comfortable. Absolutely. Getting engagement from all the stakeholders and keeping them in the loop. Um, that's very good advice. 
All right, so I'm going to move on to our fast five. We're going to ask you some fun questions just to get to know you a little mm-hmm. better. So okay. what is your favorite karaoke song? Okay, well, so I'm a terrible singer, so I have to do something that's like easily easy to belt out that other people would join in on. So I'm going to have to say um, Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. I'll join you. I would definitely join you <laughs> on that one. <laughs> um, what is your favorite way to exercise, your body or your mind? So I've been really infatuated lately with two exercise things, both with P, Peloton. So I'm a big Peloton spinner at home, and that's because I can do it on demand any time of day. And I also really like Pilates, which is a real nice balance to that. It's more about that toning and lengthening uh, versus real hardcore strengthening. But uh, both of them just really wake me up and make me feel great. Love that. Who is one person, dead or alive, that you would want to have dinner with? I think instead of going super fancy on this, I'm going to have to say maybe two people, my dad and my grandfather, both who passed away. Um, And, you know, we were very close as a family, and I lost uh, my dad when I was about 33. So he didn't really see me in the heyday of my career and he never met my children. And so I really would just love to spend time again, introduce him to them and, you know, share with him and my grandfather um, the things I was able to do professionally and with my family. So I have to probably stick old school and say family on that one. Love that response. Wow. That is uh, really meaningful. Um, what book has had a great impact on your life? That is a hard one because I love reading of um, all types. But I would say probably when I was younger, I read Les Miserables. And I think I did that <laughs> after I'd seen the show on Broadway. So I was very captured by the music and the story. But when I went back to the book and I was able to really – get more into the characters and understand them, I think I was really taken by the universal truths that Victor Hugo was trying to convey with that book. So things like love and how love transcends, you know, blood ties or how you would do anything for family. Um, I was also very, you know, really interested in the notion of is there a black and white good or bad? Because, of course, a lead character becomes a convict for stealing bread to feed his sister's family. And as a result, he's chased really all of his life um, by an inspector who cannot see him as being anything other than bad. So this concept of can people change, you know, are your views of people always the right views? How can you become a different person over time? How do you forgive? All of these things were just great questions to think about um, as a young person and, and certainly as a person today uh, in the business world and, and dealing with a growing family. So that book just always stayed with me, and I think it, it just always spoke to me as something very fundamental. What a great suggestion. As we're getting into the holidays and everyone has a little time <laughs> off, that's a good read to come exactly. back to. Exactly. All right. So perhaps our toughest question here. So um, at Fairy God Boss, we have observed that women are much less comfortable bragging about themselves. So we want to ask you to brag for us about something you're very good at or something you're very proud that you've done. Mm. Well, thank you for that opportunity. Um, it is hard to do. 
Okay, here's what I would say. Um, as I mentioned uh, at the start, I really started my career as a financial journalist, and before that as just a general business journalist, and I always loved to be on the radio. I did a lot of radio when I was in college, and so communicating, especially through words and language and stories, has always been really fun for me. So I think I've carried that feeling and that enthusiasm through to my professional life. And so public speaking is actually something I really like, which might sound strange because most people dread it and hate getting up in front of big groups. Um, and I'm definitely nervous when I get up in front of groups, but there's something about the nervousness I can put aside pretty quickly. And I just love speaking to people. I love communicating. I love telling the story and connecting with people and making people feel something maybe beyond themselves, you know, hear a message or um, see themselves in something that I'm trying to describe. Over the last few years, I've had some really wonderful opportunities to speak publicly, both at my company, um, also outside my company in some nonprofit organizations that I work for, and those have always been just really thrilling moments for me to be able to prepare and then being able to, you know, achieve that and get that done. I will say I always have, I have a very specific process to the way I work on speeches. I have a great speech coach who happens to be my husband. And while most people might not want to have criticism from their spouse, um, this one tends to work. So he spends a lot of time with me. We, we polish my speech. And then he often films me on my iPad giving my speech, and we look at it together. And he's just a great coach because at the end of the day, I feel like criticism aside, I know he's supportive and he has my back and he only wants me to succeed. So it helps me take in the messages, his criticism sometimes. I love that. Um, we have yeah, a good time doing that's great. it. We really do. Well, thank you for sharing that. And actually, I mean, I'm taking away from that. I got to say, I, it makes me think I should be doing a lot more preparation in my personal public speaking because you really um, – I certainly never film myself in advance, and when I run through it, it's just in the mirror, not in front of somebody else. So I think that's really good advice as well uh, for all of us who are public speaking in any way to the degree to which the rigor that you can apply um, before getting up. That's really helpful. Um, so with that, yeah. what is one more piece of advice, one last piece of advice that you'd like to share with our audience? I would say our audience is very ambitious. She's, they're very talented. They're facing some challenges. What thing that you would like to impart that you think they could all benefit from knowing? So I think we always hear the advice about working very hard in your job, doing very well at that. And I'm going to say, yes, you obviously should do that. That's sort of key, and you've got to do that at the minimum. But you have to pick your head up and do these other things, the things we've been talking about. Building a sponsor is critical and listening to the feedback is also critical. And hopefully a sponsor can do that for you, give you that feedback. And I say those things because, again, a sponsor is really going to help you navigate and provide that opportunity. But if you don't listen to that feedback, that sponsor might not think you're ready for the opportunity or you know what's coming on in the future. So I think you always have to be open-minded to that. You know, there have been some great performers that I worked with who just don't take feedback very well. So it's very hard to counsel them at a certain point because they get defensive, they break down, they don't think I'm on their side or it hurts the relationship. And after a while, it makes me more hesitant to give the feedback. But I know that's not the right thing for their growth. 
So I would say, you know, once you have a sponsor and, and you listen to them, just make sure that when they hold up the mirror to you, you're really looking in it and you try not to take it personally, but you, you know, try to just be the best you can be just given what they're saying to you. Yeah, there's room for everybody to improve, right? It's, I, you, I think you should all just think about it like sports, right? You have a coach that tells you how to be better every day. Exactly. But, you know, at the same time, I, I'm sort of of the philosophy that, you know, there are things you maybe are not so good at and things you're really good at. In life, you generally should just go and do the things you're really good at. There's no need to beat yourself up and try to be so much better in something that you're just not good at, but you just should know those things and try to compensate for them where you can. So true. Sam, thank you so much for spending time with us today. This has been great advice, and it's been really helpful to get to know more about you and your career, and also fantastic to hear about this big investment that J.P. Morgan Chase is making um, in Women on the Move. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I hope everyone had a good listen and uh, that we see each other soon. Likewise. Thank you, Sam. Take care, Romy. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.